Judges chapter 16, and we will start with verse 16. Judges 16, 16. It says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now I want you to notice, I want you to notice his words. My strength will go from me, and I shall be and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. She made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. I'll go out as at other times and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. I, uh, again, I know it's, uh, it's it's a heavy reading. It's a negative passage, but but I want you to stay with me here tonight. Uh, I want the Lord to, to do something in our midst tonight. I want to talk to you from this thought, the necessary element, the necessary element. Hallelujah. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Let's ask him to help us. Jesus, I've got to have your I can't do this without you. Nor do I want to try. But God, if you'll help me. God, not with my hands. God, bless me. God, God, would you use In Jesus' name. Let's worship him one more time. Everybody, let's worship him one more time. Praise God. Praise God. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. I don't think that for most of us here tonight that it's necessary that I spend a lot of time talking to you about this Bible character called Samson. I don't think that I have to tell you a lot. I think that you know a lot about this story. It's one of those stories Kind of like David and Goliath that you preached about on Sunday night. It's just one of those stories that that if we've come to church very long, if we know much about the Bible at all, it's one of those stories that we at least know the highlights. We know we know the basics of what's what's happened in this story. But 
There are a few things that I want to just bring to your attention here tonight by way of laying a foundation. I want to remind you that Samson, uh, unlike, unlike most of the other judges in Israel, Samson was unique. He was unique in that his birth was miraculous. His birth was miraculous. Judges chapter 13 verses 2 and 3. Judges 13 verses 2 and 3. It's been a while since I've had Brother Hilton read for me. So I get to pick on him tonight. Hallelujah. So you might want to pay close attention. All right. All right. All right. Read. Read. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive. But thou shalt conceive. And bear a son. And bear a son. And so we know that, uh, you know, for most of the judges of Israel, and I talked about this, uh, 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 I guess, a week or so ago when I preached to the church about the last generation, how that God would raise up a judge from among the people. And most of the time, that's what he did. He raised up somebody that was there. and God would put his hand on somebody. But in this case, this was special. This was not just anybody that had grown up in the midst of Israel. But here, here was a man that the angel appeared unto his mother and said, I know that you've been barren, but I want you to know all of that is changing now. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have a son. And furthermore, this son is not going to be like everybody else. He is going to be special. There's something special about this one. Amen. Let's read on verses 4 and 5. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not beware, wine. Beware, and drink not wine. Nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean Don't thing. Don't eat any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Uh-huh. And no razor shall come on his no head. No razor's going to come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Right. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. So I'm telling you that... That in this moment, in this moment, God made it clear through his angel, through his messenger. He made it clear that this man, this man uh, was going to be special unto God. He was going to be born with a purpose. He was coming into this world even before his conception. God had a plan for him. God had something already designed. And, and he said unto Samson's mother, I want you to take care. I want you to be careful now because this is a special baby that you're going to have. And I want you to live a special life. I want you to understand that I expect some things out of you because of the child that is within your womb. And once he is born, he, you're not going to treat him like every other child that's born in Israel. But from the day that he is born, you're not going to put a razor on his head. You're not going to let him partake of wine. This, this, this one is going to be a Nazarite. He's going to be separated unto God by a vow and, and most of the time when people uh, took the vow of a Nazarite they took it for a specific period of time they, they would make a dedication unto God to be a Nazarite for a year or, or for six months or whatever but, but the angel said this one's going to be different and, and I want him to be separated all the days of his life because I've got a plan for him. Israel has been abused by the Philistines long enough and I'm going to put my hand on this man and I want to use him to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So he began his life separated unto God. He began his life living different than everybody else. 
he, he wasn't like the others. And when he would go to school, he looked different than the rest of the kids. They saw in him a difference. And, and, and you know, let, let's face it, let's face it, kids can be cruel. Kids can be cruel. They can be cruel. And, and when somebody's different, they like to point out the differences. And they like to make fun. And they like to bully. And, and, and I don't know what all Samson might have gone through as the only long-haired boy in his school. But, but probably, probably he caught a lot of flack. He probably caught a lot of flack. And, 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 and I imagine that somewhere in his heart something was, was rising up in him. That there was at least a little bit of, of, of resentment about having to live this way. Why couldn't he be like everybody else? Why couldn't he live like everybody else? Why did he have to be so different all the time? I don't know, that's just conjecture, but, 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 but he did it, he did it, evidently he did it. The Bible doesn't record that there was a time that his parents allowed him uh, to veer from this vow while he was yet a young man, and, and uh, then as he grew older, then things started to change a bit, and we might talk about some of that in just a moment. But I want to show you something else. Not only was his birth miraculous. And not only was his life a life of separation. But, but look at Judges chapter 13 verse 25. And listen to what the scripture says about this man Samson. Judges 13 and 25. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. Yeah, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. There were just times that the Spirit of God would come upon this man. And, and I'm telling you that he, he was driven by the Spirit. In fact, uh, one translation puts it this way. The Spirit of the Lord began to be with him. Another one says the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Another translation said the Spirit of the Lord began to strengthen him. And another said the Spirit of the Lord took control of him. But what I found interesting, Brother Hilton, in all of those translations, none of them really did justice to the Hebrew word that was used here. And I don't know if it's because those translators just couldn't wrap their mind around what was really being said. But the Hebrew word that is used here when it says the spirit of the Lord began to move him. That word move actually means to thrust. It means to impel. It means to push. It means to beat persistently. So I'm telling you that what was going on, the spirit of the Lord began to disturb him. He was getting stirred up. Spirit of the Lord would come on him. He'd see things that God wasn't pleased with. And, and, and the Spirit of the Lord would come on him. And the Spirit of the Lord then would push him. Would push him to do what he needed to do. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this is what stands out to me about Samson. And this is why I think that maybe there was some resentment in his heart. Because when I really start considering what the word is saying here, it seems to me that it's not what Samson really wanted to do. It's not that he had a desire to do this. But the Spirit of the Lord had brought him to the kingdom for such a time as this. And, and Samson, it seems now, is a bit resistant. And, and, and he's a bit reluctant to really get out there and do what he was born to do. And so the Spirit of the Lord has got to push him. It's got to drive him to get out there and, and, and start conquering the Philistines. And the Spirit of the Lord's got to, got to get behind him and give him a shove and say, get out there. This is what you're here for. It seems like that's the way that God used him. Let's, let's look at a few verses here. Judges 14 and verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Yeah, came mightily Upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid. Uh-huh. And he had nothing in his hand 
and he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Mm-hmm. Now, verse 19. This is, uh, uh, hang on, I'm going I'm to take these out of order, and I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying to see who's sitting back there hiding. Um, I'm, I'm creating problems for our sound ladies. Uh, but but uh, I'm going to take these a little out of order. I want you to get for me the very next one, Judges 15, verse 14. Judges 15, verse 14. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. Uh-huh. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily There's upon that, him. That same term, came mightily upon him. So the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And now let's go back and pick up chapter 14 and verse 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. Yeah, and, and, and so, so look, I, 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 wanna, I don't want to belabor this point, but here's what I want to tell you. That, that these phrases that are being used, in each case, the Spirit of the Lord, you know, King James kind of varied in the way they translated it. And in two places, they, they took this same word and said it came mightily upon him. And another place, it just said it came upon him. But in all three instances, it is from the Hebrew word which means to push and, and, and it seems to me that, that in every case no matter what's going on God had to do something to, to kind of kick Samson in the seat of the britches and say come on man we got a job to do we got work to be accomplished here what are you doing sitting around I, I, I've called you for this purpose I've, I've put my spirit on you for this purpose I've empowered you to do this work God's got to push him to get out there and get it done. And so it is that we finally get to this place in our text. and You know the story. You know how he decided he was in love with Delilah. And uh, he went down to her and I'll tell you, after a couple of times of her trying to figure out his strength and calling the Philistines as soon as he told her, I think I'd have, I think I'd have, I think I'd have figured out what was going on here. I, I, somehow, Brother Chad, I, I, I just, you know, after a couple of times, I, I think I'd, I'd be saying, now, now look, what's this all about? But he was so consumed with himself that he really wasn't evidently paying attention to what's going on until finally it gets to the place that she bats her eyes just right. She forces a little crocodile tear out, you know, and she says, if you really loved me, you wouldn't keep lying to me like this. Just tell me the truth, Samson. And finally, he gave in. And he told her. And he said, I'm a Nazarite. I've lived a separated life unto God from the day of my birth. And the day that that vow is broken, he said, ah. Now, now this is interesting to me because the testimony of his own lips was, that I shall become, my strength will go from me. And I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now that's what he said. But, but you know, Brother Self, it seems to me he didn't really believe that. I don't think he believed that. Evidently that's what mom and daddy told him. But I don't think he believed that. And the reason I say I don't think he believed it is because of what happened in Judges 16 and verse 20. Read for me. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee. The Philistines thee, be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out he of awoke. sleep and said, and I he will said, go I'm going to go as at other, as times, at other before times before. And shake myself. And, and, and this is why I'm telling you. Now, now look, when he hasn't had his hair cut in his entire life and he wakes up. And there's not a hair on his head. Don't tell me he didn't know. He's well aware that he's had his head shaved. 
But in his mind, he said, I'll just shake myself and go out and it's going to be just like it's always been. Now, he had just told her that the moment you cut my hair off, I'm going to lose my strength and I'm going to be like every other man. But now when it really comes down to it, he says, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to be like every other man. I'm going to shake myself. I'm still as strong as I ever was. And I think some of the saddest words that could ever be said about somebody is this next sentence. And he wished not not that that the Lord was departed from him. This word wist is from a Hebrew word that means to know, to perceive, to recognize. One translation says he did not realize that the Lord had stopped helping him. Another says he did not realize that the Lord had gone from him. Another says he didn't realize that God had abandoned him. What a sad state of affairs. For God to depart and him not even be aware. And his attitude was... I'm just going to keep doing the same thing I've always done. I'm just going to keep on. Life hasn't really changed. Nothing's really different. I'm going to be the same with or without the presence of God. How could a person continue doing what they've always done if God was no longer helping them? Sometime back, I read a quote, and it, it, it troubled me. It troubled me. And, and uh, I, I, I found it again today, and, and it troubles me as much today as when I read it before. But, but it was written by A.W. Tozer. He said, if the Holy Spirit withdrew from the church today, 95% of what we would do would, uh, uh, of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. God help us. I want to tell you tonight, true church, I don't ever want that to be our epitaph. I don't ever want that to be said about us. Now look, I want us to worship and I want us to sing and I want us doing things that need to be done but I don't ever want us to get to the place that we think we can do it without the presence of God. Listen to me. That's why it's so necessary that we get in here and have spiritual warfare before church ever begins. That's why we've got to understand we're not going to have good church if we're just going to try to do it the way we've always done it. We've got to have God's help. We've got to have God's help. We need his touch. We need his presence. Oh, let me preach my heart tonight. I thank God for our singers. I thank God for our musicians. I thank God for our song leaders. And I'm not just talking to the ones who who were up here tonight. I'm talking to everybody. But don't you ever get to a place that you think I can... I can play just as well whether I pray or not. I can sing just as well whether I pray or not. I can lead a service just as well whether I pray. No, no, no. I'm telling you, something's got to happen to our attitude. We got to recognize we can't do anything without Him. We can't do anything without him. I don't think Samson believed it when he said it, but he was right. And he said, my strength is going to be gone from me. And then I'm going to be like every other man. 
And listen to me, saints of God. The moment that we don't have the Holy Ghost moving in our services, we're just like every other church. We are no different than the first church just down the street from us. We're no different from any denominational church anywhere else. When we get to the place that we think we can just come in, oh well, it's just Tuesday night. I don't really have to apply myself. I don't really have to put myself into it. I don't really have to seek God. The moment we get to that place, we are beginning our own funeral. Oh God, help us. Let us recognize. I don't want him to have to push me. Oh Jesus. I want to recognize, God, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. Oh, listen to me. You preachers that are here, don't you ever get to the place that you think you can stand behind this pulpit without a touch of God. Don't ever get to the place that you think you can just find a good sermon. And as long as the people clap and stand up while you're preaching, you've done your job. No, I'm here to tell you, if we lose that touch of the Spirit, we've lost everything that matters. And saints, it's got to be just as urgent in your spirit when you come to church if you think that you can just mumble your way through pre-service prayer or not pray at all and it'll be all right. I'll just worship as at other times. I'll just praise as as at other times. I'm telling you that's a dangerous place to get in. We need to recognize God if this service is going to go anywhere it's going to be because you have come to meet with us. I don't want to try to go through another service without your touch. I don't want to try to just clap my hands and lift my voice and you not be here. I want us I want us to recognize what Samson said but I don't believe he really meant. But we got to mean it saints. We got to mean it. We got to mean it. If, if somehow we don't have that touch of God, we're going to lose our strength and we're going to become like everybody else. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching my heart to you tonight. I'm preaching my heart to you tonight. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't want to be one of those that 95% of what we could do or what we are doing would just simply go on and we'd never know the difference. Uh, That's evidently what happened to the church at Ephesus. God commended them. Amen. You're still holding to the standard. You still hate false doctrine. But he said, I've got somewhat against you because you've lost your first love. Oh, you're doing the right things. You're going through the motions. But listen we gotta have that special touch of God in everything we do it's not just the singers it's not just the preacher it's not just the song leader but every saint of God needs to walk through those doors with an attitude that says God tonight I need you tonight I've gotta have you tonight I don't know what I'm gonna face tomorrow I've gotta have you tonight Oh, Jesus. How much of what we do is really without the help of God? How much of what we do is really just our own efforts, our own talents, our own decisions, and we're just hoping God will come along for the ride? Oh, God. I'm afraid that for many of us, he's become the spare tire. You know, we only think about it when we got a flat. 
We really don't realize he's not a spare tire. He's the engine. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to get anywhere if we don't have that touch of God. If we don't have that move of the Holy Ghost. Oh, saints, listen. Listen, listen. God's helped us. We've come far in the last few months. I don't want us to grow comfortable now and start slacking up and start letting down. Amen. And think that we can just kick it into neutral and coast from here. No, no, no. Listen, we stirred up hell. With what we've done, we've stirred up hell. And it's going to take a lot more fight just to maintain than what it's ever taken before. Somebody has got to get a revelation. There's a necessary element. It's the touch of God. I've got to have the power of God working in me. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. I'm telling you, I've been, I've been saying to this church, there are dark days coming. There are difficult times that are ahead. Somewhere down the road, I don't know how soon, I don't know how far away. I just know what I'm feeling and I know I've had other witnesses tell me the same thing. It may still be a while off. I don't know. But I know it's coming. But listen to me church. Whatever time we've got, we'd better take advantage of it. Whatever time we've got, we'd better make the most of it. We better learn how to plug in now. We better learn how to get desperate before God now. We better recognize right now while things are not nearly so bad that we got to have him just to get by. we got to have him every day. We've got to have him on the job. We've got to have him at school. we got to have him everywhere that we go. We can't make it without the touch of God. If we're going to wait until trouble comes to finally get that revelation, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. Something's got to happen. Something's got to change. Oh, God. I'm telling you, Samson had to be pushed. He had to be pushed. He had to be pushed. How many times has the preacher or the song leader had to say, Come on, let's worship. What do you think we're doing? We're pushing. And sadly, some people don't respond to the Spirit until they're pushed. But you see where that took Samson. You see where he ended up. When every step of the way, yeah, he saw some victories. Yeah, he defeated some Philistines. But what a wreck his life was. What an absolute disaster his life was because he had to be pushed. Pushed. Come on, saints. Let's worship. Come on, saints. I need some amens. Come on, saints. I need somebody to pray during pre-service prayer. Come on, saints. I want you to sing. Come on, saints. I need you to invite somebody. Come on, saints. Hand out some cards. How much of what we're doing, we're only doing because somebody's pushing us. We're being pushed. We're being pushed. We're being pushed. And so we give in because we're being pushed. But something's got to change. There's got to be a transformation in our attitude where we're not doing it because somebody's pushing us. We're not doing it because somebody's on us. We're not doing it because somebody's expecting it of us. Look, there was another one that was born a miraculous birth that an angel appeared to his mama and said the one that you 
are going to give birth to is going to be unlike the rest of them. And you know, I see something in the man Christ Jesus that Samson lacked. For Samson, the Spirit of the Lord had to push him, had to push him and push him. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, listen to this. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Then was Jesus led. He was led by the Spirit. Samson was pushed. Jesus was led. (laughs) Even when the leader said, we're going to the wilderness to face the devil, Jesus was led. See, there's a difference between somebody that's being pushed and someone that's being led. The one who's being led, once they've determined that's the way I'm going to live, then they recognize I can't go anywhere without my leader. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there was a recognition. It doesn't matter if it's going to the wilderness or if it's going to the tomb of Lazarus to see the dead raised. If the Spirit's leading me there, that's where I'm going. He's not going to have to push me. He's not going to have to force me. He's not going to have to beat on me to get me to do this. If the Spirit's going that way, then that's the way that I'm going. I'm going to set my eyes on where God has His set. I want to follow. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to this church tonight. Come on, I'm preaching to this church tonight. we got to lift our sights. We've got to have a transformation in our thinking. We don't have to get to a place where somebody's got to push us every service. Somebody's got to push us every prayer meeting. Somebody's got to push us for every evangelistic effort. But we can get to a place that we get so lost in the Spirit that He leads us. He directs us. He guides us. I thought about this and I thought you mentioned it you mentioned it Sunday night talking about David that the Bible called him a man after God's own heart and I got to thinking how many times in David's Psalms did he talk about God leading him There's no way. I knew I couldn't read them all, so let me just read a few for you, all right? Let me read just a few or have them read here. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 8. Lead me, O Lord. This is David's prayer. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Now listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. I've got people that hate me. I've got people that are fighting me. But he's not talking about just protect me. He's not saying just wrap your arms around me and hide me from their arrows. He just said, Lord, just lead me. Lead me in your righteousness. If you'll lead me, if you'll make your way straight before my face, I don't care care if it's leading to the enemy I'm just going to follow you just lead me Lord you're the shepherd I'm just the lamb here you just lead me God Psalm 25 verse 5 lead me in thy lead truth me in thy truth and teach me for thou art the God of my salvation on thee do I wait all the day on thee Listen to what he said. On thee do I wait all the day. I'm not moving from this spot, God, until you move. I'm going to let you lead me. I am going to be sensitive to the moving of your spirit. 
I'm going to learn to follow after you. Come on, saints. Come on, saints. You know I'm telling you the truth. You know I'm preaching the truth to you. Listen, we got to get to that place that we walk into this house and we're saying, all right, God, lead me. Lead me, God. I know I might have had a bad day. My world might be falling apart, but you might want a rejoicing service tonight, God. I want you just to lead me. I don't want somebody to push me out of my doldrums. I don't want them to have to push me out of my depression. If you want us to shout, you just lead me, God. I'll forget my problems for a little while. I'll forget my heartaches for a little while. You just lead me, Jesus. And maybe I've had a good week. Maybe things are going my way. But God, you want me in travail tonight. And I want to be sensitive to you. I want to just follow wherever you're going, God. I want to walk with you. I want to just follow after you. Oh, hallelujah. And it's not just church time. It's every day. It's every day. It's every day, you know, I've heard, I've heard people of God say, you know, I was going to go such and such to go shopping and I just felt like the Lord directed me to a different store. And, and when I got there, lo and behold, there was somebody there that I needed to talk to. Oh, saints, I'm telling you, if we could ever learn to just, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If we could ever learn to just let God lead us, then it doesn't take me getting up and saying, Saturday morning, and 10 o'clock outreach. No, no, no. It's when I get up tomorrow. Oh God, where do you want to take me today? Where do you want to lead me today, God? Is there somebody on my job? Maybe I don't need to go to the break room today. Maybe I need to find someplace else that I can get off to. Maybe there's somebody else that I need to talk to today. But lead me, Jesus. Let me be sensitive to you. I don't want to be pushed. I want to be led. Psalm 61 verse 2. Listen to this. From the end of the From earth. From the end of the earth. When I, I am at my wit's end. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cry unto thee. When my heart is And when my heart just feels like I can't take anymore. Please. You know what I need to do? Not go crawl off in a hole somewhere and hide and lick my wounds and try to tend to my depression on my own. No, no, no. I tell you, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I know what I need. Read, what did he say? Lead me, Lead me to the rock that that's higher than where I am right now. God, you can take me to a place where I'm not feeling so depressed, where I'm not feeling so down. If you'll just lead me, God. Lead me, Jesus. Just lead me, Jesus. Oh, saints, what causes us to do what we know we need to do. What makes us fast? Is it just when the preacher says, we need to take a day this week and fast? Is that the only time you think about it? And then do you do it just saying, I, man, I don't want to. My flesh doesn't want to, but I guess I will. Oh, God. God, help us. Help us. I want to be led of the Spirit. Look, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But you know, you know what I just went through. But I'm going to tell you, it wasn't because anybody told me I had to. It was something I felt in my spirit. This is just what I need to do, Jesus. It's what I need to be doing right now. Listen, I want to be sensitive to Him. I want Him to know if He wants me to start and go another 50 days. I'm willing to do it, Jesus. Nobody's got to tell me. Nobody's got to push me. Nobody's got to force me. I just want to follow your spirit. I want to be led. What makes us pray? What makes us pray? Do we pray because the Spirit's leading us to pray? 
do we pray because, you know, once in a while, pastor's going to get up and say something about it. What makes us pray? What is it? What is it that stirs us? What is it that brings results? What makes us give? What makes us pay our tithe? We know somebody's going to say something. Pastor's going to say something. Are you having to be pushed? Or is there something in your heart that you just say, Lord, you just lead me. Just lead me, Jesus. I'm willing to follow no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what's happening in my life, I know that you know what's best for me. Just lead me, God. Just lead me. We've got to reach a place, saints of God, that we are led by the Spirit. In fact, in fact, let me show you just how important this is. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led as by many the Spirit of God. As are led. They are the sons of God. As many as are led. It's not just those that look the part. It's not just those that dot the I's and cross the T's. Hello. But he said it's those that are led by the Spirit of God. They're the ones, really, that are my children. That's the real sign of sonship. Is when you can be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. It got quiet all of a sudden. It got quiet all of a sudden. But I'm giving you scripture. I'm giving you the word of God tonight. As many as are led. As many as are led. Not those that yield because they're pushed. But as many as are led. They are the sons of God. Listen, listen. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Listen, listen. And I, I, I know Brother Hilton preached to the young people. And I, I, I can talk to the young people, but I can talk to everybody tonight as well. But I know sometimes young people get things in their life they feel like they just can't quite overcome. They just can't quite get victory over. Well, listen to me. I'm about to tell you how you're going to get victory over it. Read, read, read Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Is that right? 16. Read. This I say then. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You got problems with your flesh? Look, here's a guarantee. Do we believe the Bible or don't we? Do we believe the Bible or don't we? Do we believe that every scripture is divinely inspired of God? Then this scripture is truth. And if you are struggling with the lust of the flesh, here's the problem. You're not walking in the spirit. Learn to walk in the spirit. Uh, some years ago, I went to visit a family member that had backslid. I was appealing to him to come and get his life right with God. It's, you, I said, I know, you know you're not happy. You know, you know. He said, I know, I know. He said, but you just don't understand. He said, it's just always been easy for you to pray. And it's, it's, just, it's just never been easy for me. It's always been a struggle. I said, what are you talking about? It's never easy for the flesh. I don't care who you are. There's nobody that your flesh just wants to pray. And I can promise you there's a whole lot of nights when I don't get to bed till 1.30 in the morning. 
And then I have a restless night and I'm up three or four times and my alarm goes off at 5.45 or whatever time. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to get up. I'm thinking if I could just sleep a little while longer, my flesh doesn't want to do it. But I'm telling you, there's a drive down on the inside of me that says, God, I don't want to lose the necessary element. I don't want to lose that necessary element. I'd rather give up my sleep. I'd rather sacrifice anything and everything. But God, I can't lose you. I can't lose that touch of your spirit. I don't want you to have to push me out of bed. I don't want you to have to push me to the floor. I want to get up and be led by the spirit. I want you to lead me, Jesus. I want you to lead me. He said, walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Read. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. Because the flesh lusts against the Spirit. The Spirit against the flesh. Mm -hmm. And these are contrary one to the other. They don't desire the same thing. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Right. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. You know what he's saying? This is where real freedom comes. See, when you're under the law, that's when you're being pushed. That's when you got your list of do's and don'ts. I've been, we've been working on our our dating policy and uh, talking to Brother Goff the other night and I said, you know, I mean, it, it, it'd be easy to just write a book and say, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. But, but if that's what you do, then you're pushing people. And then they just start checking off the list and they find ways To get around the black and white. And so I think we need to establish some principles. And set some principles that offer protection. And and then let's encourage these young people to develop a relationship with their pastor. And let's sit down and talk about how those principles apply to you in your life. Not everybody struggles with the same thing. Not everybody deals with the same issues. And you need a relationship with your pastor. It's easy for young people to grow up in the church and me just be their parents' pastor. But there's got to come a time when I become your pastor as well. And we've got a relationship and we can talk about things. And and I can offer you guidance and, and help you in your walk. I... This, this, is what, this is what Paul is saying here. He said, if you're led of the Spirit, then you're not under the law. You're not having to be pushed. Hey, 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 come back here. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. No, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not going to end up doing those things. If you're led of the Spirit... Oh, God, I I don't know, church, if you're feeling the burden that I'm feeling tonight. I'm just telling you, we've got to... We've got to have a transformation in our thinking. We've got to have a transformation in our spirit. Oh, Lord, help me. My time is up. Give me just a couple more minutes. All right. We got one more verse here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. Read for me. For if we, for live, if we in spirit, live in the Spirit, let us also, let walk, us in also walk in the Spirit. Listen, if, if we'll just live in the Spirit, then walking in the Spirit's not a problem. This is why we struggle with it. It's because the only time we know anything about getting in the Spirit is when we come to church. And then we're pushed into the Spirit. We're 
pushed into the spirit. And, 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 and then when we get up tomorrow, we're right back into the flesh again. And, and I'm telling you, we're missing it when that's the case. Somehow, we got to learn to live in the spirit. We got to learn to let God direct us. Come on, we got to let God direct us. I'm trying to hurry. I know my time's up. I'm trying. I'm trying, but I've got a burden on my heart tonight. Abraham was called on to offer his son Isaac. I know pictures usually paint Isaac to be a little boy. But I, I was surprised to find that most Jewish scholars believe that Isaac was maybe as old as 30 at this point. He was definitely big enough to carry all the wood up the mountain. And uh, however old he was, he was, he was old enough to recognize something wasn't right. As they walked up that hill, he asked his dad a question, Genesis 22, verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold. And Isaac said, Behold the, the fire, fire and the wood. And the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? But, but something's missing. We've got some of the elements to offer to God what I've seen you offer all my life, Dad. I know, I know that you know how to make sacrifice to God. You've lived that life in front of me. You've set the example. You've taught me how to do it. But there's something different here. Something's missing We've got some of the elements, but there's an essential element that's missing in all of this. The fire and the wood are not going to do us any good at all without the lamb. The lamb is the essential element in this sacrifice. Can I say to you, saints of God, that far too many apostolics know how to carry the wood and they know how to get a little fire once in a while. But they're still missing that essential element. We've got the rituals down pat. We can look the part. We can act the part. We can go through the motions. But there's something that's missing in all of this. I want the musicians to come. Now, I'm... And I'm hurrying through these last few notes. I'm doing my best to just get through this quickly. But I talked a while ago about David and how David was a man after God's own heart. And David, as I said, I couldn't, I couldn't go through the Psalms and find every place that he talked about being led. But there was one that you might have noticed that I did not include. I saved it for now. I did it for a reason. If you would, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 23. I want to show you something about David. And what happens when you're led, when you're led by the Spirit. Psalm 23, verse 1, read. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's my shepherd. I... I don't have to want. He's my shepherd. You understand the picture that he's drawing now. The sheep follow the shepherd. In fact, that's what he's going to say. That's what he's going to tell us. He maketh me to lie down. He maketh me to lie down. Green pastures. In green pastures and he leadeth, he me leadeth me. Beside the still waters. Beside still waters. He's, he's the shepherd. He's leading me. I'm not just going where I want to go. Don't you think there were times when David was out there running from Saul? Times when he was hiding in the cave that everything in his flesh wanted to just draw the sword and put an end to Saul's life and assume the throne right then. 
I promise you his flesh wanted it. David had an attitude. I'm not getting on that throne until God leads me to that throne. Oh, I want somebody to hear me tonight. Because sometimes our ambitions and our goals and our plans, they may be right. But the timing may not be right. We got to let God lead us. And we got to let God determine when He wants us to sit on that throne. So He said, I'm just going to let Him lead me. And He'll lead me beside still waters. And there's a reason why He said that. David understood as a shepherd those still waters that, that was calming to the sheep if He took them to a place where the water was running and beating against the rocks then all of the noise would have the sheep skittish and scared and they they never could really relax they couldn't really lay down and rest as long as all that noise is going on from the water and so a good shepherd knows that if I can just find a place where the water's calm then the sheep will be calm so David said I just let him lead me to where the green pastures are he'll take me to where the still waters are I'm not going to stop and rest when I think I need to rest I'm going to let him lead me to the still waters read he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake do you see this whole song is about how God is leading He's leading me. He's leading me in the paths of righteousness. Not for my name's sake. Not so everybody can sing David's praises. But the path he's leading me on is going to cause people to sing his praise. It's the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And Sometimes that path leads us places we don't really want to go. Because look at the next verse. Yea, though I walk through the now, valley. Now, now, how did he end up at the valley of the shadow of death? He just says, I'm walking there, but we can't take that verse out of context. He's already stressed the fact in the preceding verses that God's leading me. So now here I am in this valley of the shadow of death. I'm not afraid of evil. You know why? For thou art with me. Because I didn't get here by myself. Thy rod and thy hang on, staff. hang on. I, I, didn't, I didn't arrive at this place by my own design. This valley is not one I dug with my own shovel. Hello, somebody. This is not a problem I created for myself. He led me here. And He's here with me. And His rod and His staff, they comfort me. Read. Thou preparest a table before me. He sets a table before me. The presence of my enemies now. I've gone through all of this, but look at what he's doing. When I, when I just let him lead me, this is what he does. He sets up a table in front of my enemies. Thou anointest my head he anoints with oil. my head with oil, my and cup my over. cup runs over. And then I love this last verse. Now, now look before we read verse six. Listen, listen. God's been leading him. God's been leading him. He's been following God for these five verses. David's following the Spirit. But look at what happens in verse 6. When David follows the Spirit, wherever the Spirit wants to go, verse 6 says, Surely goodness goodness and mercy mercy shall follow me me all the days of my life. life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. If I'll just follow after the Spirit, there's going to be goodness and mercy that's going to follow after me.
If I can follow after him, he's going to make sure that I'll be taken care of. It doesn't matter where I end up. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what problems I encounter because he's in front of me. And you know what's behind me now? Goodness is behind me and mercy is behind me because I've been following him. And when I follow him, goodness and mercy follow me. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. Saints of God, look, I I, I don't want you seeing this message as a word of rebuke. I want you to see it as a word of direction. I want you to understand God has got goodness and mercy just waiting to fall in line behind you. But you got to get in line behind Him. Because that's the order of things. When you follow His Spirit, goodness and mercy are going to follow you. And that's what we want. That's what we want. I want God's goodness to be upon this church. I want God's mercy to be upon us. And you know how it's going to get there? It's going to get there as we learn to follow the leading of the Spirit. This is the necessary element. This is what's so needful. we got to follow after Him. We gotta learn how to let him lead us. We gotta learn how to let him direct us. These altars are open tonight. I know I've preached past time, but surely somebody in this house feels a call to prayer. Surely somebody here tonight. God's not gonna have to push you out of your seat. Surely somebody tonight feels the Holy Ghost leading them. Oh God, I want you to...